Test, 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 test. I don't know, maybe it's not working.
This morning's reading uh, is in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. And we pray. These are your words, dear Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. So for those of you who haven't taken Greek with me yet, uh, I have this thing where to give everyone a well-rounded education, I sometimes sprinkle in dating advice uh, into the classroom. <laughs> and, you know, you don't think of Greek as the language of love, but you can think again. Um, and the thing is, is uh, I thought maybe I'd carry some of that over uh, today, because our lesson deals a little bit with love. And I think, so... We probably know if you're going to say I love you to someone or ask someone out. You probably shouldn't say it's because of their looks, right? Because that's kind of like superficial and stuff like that. So don't do that. That's kind of the starting point of our lesson. But then think about the reverse, though. Like if I told my, if I told my wife I didn't marry you for your looks, um, you know, <laughs> I would technically... I mean, technically, that should be a good thing, but I don't think it would go over well. <laughs> and then it's like, think about personality. Like, that's the thing we go to where it's like, okay, I don't say looks, say personality. But if, like, if there's any follow-up questions or ever unpacking of that, I think they all get just about as trite because it's like, I love you for your sense of humor, but then what if you know, you start telling a bunch of bad jokes, or I love you because you're so charming, and it's like, well, eventually you, those same charming comments are going to get old eventually. So I think even, like, personality doesn't totally work out. And I know, since we're in chapel, you probably think there's a, a you know, the theological answer is the one we're driving toward. And partially, yeah, I, I think that it's good to emphasize unconditional love and things like that, but then when you think about how do you word that in a real-world situation, it's like if I told my wife, I love you unconditionally, there's nothing good within you that earns or deserves my love for you. Like, I think, you know, I think that wouldn't go over well. I'd probably be safer saying I just married you for looks at that point. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, one of those things where I don't know, it's tough. Maybe the safest thing to say is just, I love you, but I don't know why. Or, you know, if you're going to ask someone out, you could say, I want, will you go out with me? I don't know why. And then you're totally safe. And plus, you can test if they notice what you're doing, then you'll know if they've been to chapel, which is really important. And, and if you kind of are just, if you say it in the safe sort of joking way where it's non-committal, then if they say no, you can just kind of brush it off like, oh, ha, ha, he's just joking around like, like my hero, Professor Prooks. And then you just sort of avoid that awkwardness. So, 
you know, it's all kind of fun and games when you talk about these relationship things because deep down we know they're kind of complicated and awkward and weird and there's sorts of rules of what to do and not to do and it gets weird with love. And then we think about our text for today where Jesus talks about because of lawlessness abounding, the love of many will grow cold. It, I think, raises a deeper issue of you know, what is our motivation for love? And... I don't know what the perfect thing to say in a relationship that's not weird, but I think in our lesson today, as it highlights kind of that relationship, it should lead us to a deeper probing of the matter of, yeah, what, what really is the source of my love for other people? And, you know, the thing about it is in Matthew's gospel at this point, Jesus is given his end times talk when he's talking about all these kind of difficult things that are going to come before the end. And this one, though, when he says, because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I mean, it's something that really should probably cause us to pause and think, is he, is he talking about me here? It's easy for us to push off things like he ta- him talking about wars and rumors of wars and feel like, okay, I'm, I can check that box here in Mankato safely. But in reality, he's talking about love growing cold. We should take a real step back and think, oh, that's maybe worrisome. Is he talking about me? And I think it raises the implication here that, that why should lawlessness cause love to grow cold? And I think the challenge that it poses to us is like, well, if our love is based on these external things with other people, then... It's, he's warning us, yeah, it's going to grow cold. And I think the real issue is that it's like, I don't know, people are kind of a pain. And, you know, no offense to any people who might be in this room, but yeah, people are a pain. They're difficult. They cause problems. They bug us sometimes. They get us to be upset. And what's worse, if you throw in bonus lawlessness into the mix, like the text talks about, it's like, yeah, if, if, our love, if my love is based on what other people are doing for me, if, they, if they're doing things I want and they're doing things for me and so forth and that's why I love them, then that's going to, it sounds like, grow cold with the way that our lesson is talking about. It can't be based on that sort of thing. And then when we think about ourselves and I think our own love, we can see that, yeah, I, maybe I'm, I'm part of the problem with this too. Have I let my love grow cold with disillusionment? And so now I'm, you know, not putting in much care effort maybe into things like my job or in my uh, school stuff or in family or maybe even get disillusioned about the church because people are in all of those different contexts. And if people sour us on things, yeah, that's going to cause our love to grow cold. And so... It's, you know, maybe not just uh, that others have caused our love to grow cold, but we could even step back and think, well, have, have there are things that I have done that have caused the love of other people to grow cold. Have I soured other people on the faith or the church or things like that? Have I disillusioned others? And so I think this love talk, it, it kind of gets scary because we realize that, yeah, if our love is based on other people, it, it's pretty easy to get cranky about it. But I think it's helpful our lesson does use the metaphor of warmth and coldness. Talking about love growing cold, 
I think it should raise for us the question of, okay, if love can grow cold, what's the thing that heated that love initially? What's the thing that can heat up that love? And explore that. We know it can't be other people because uh, that's the lawlessness. That's going to eventually, they're going to let us down. And it can't be from within us because uh, we're part of the problem too. And so this leads us to think through the warmth that can happen from the, the only really reliable source of love, and that's God and what he's done for us. And we see it in, in Jesus and what he did. He lived a life, uh, he, he, he warms. He went around helping people with their, their challenges, being there for them, forgiving them. And that same Jesus that lived on this earth for all those people, he does those same, same things for us too, uh, even though we don't see him. And Jesus showed the extent of his love by dying on the cross for us, that he would go through all of those things, all of the suffering and pain, so that he would forgive our sins by doing that, Take, that, that he takes our sins away, makes us right with him. He went through all of that out of pure love for us. And it warms us to think of that work that he did, and it warms us to think about that message of his resurrection, how it will warm our bodies even in the grave as he conquered death and he conquers death for you and me too. He's earned and is now gifting us eternal life in heaven and he's worked the faith in our hearts to have it. And so when we bear in mind all the things that Jesus has done to save us and give us heaven freely, that is the message that continually comes to us in the word. It's the message that first warmed us in baptism and it's a message that continually is there to warm us each and every day. So, I mean, yeah, I don't always totally know the right advice to give on dating. I'll admit that. And sometimes in class, they, I think they know that I'm not always the best advice giver on dating. But I think in our lesson, even though there's, I don't always know the right words, I think we have seen here with Jesus' love that, yeah, it doesn't work if it's based on other people doing stuff for us or being always good to us. That's not going to last. It's not going to come from within. It comes from Jesus and what he's done for us. He's the one that first warmed our hearts, creating love and faith in our hearts, and he warms us continually with the message of his word that, that pronounces us forgiven, that, that shows us the eternal life in heaven as his gift. And so uh, may that warmth of his word and his message and his forgiveness keep you and I warm with love each and every day. Amen. And now let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything Jesus has done for us and grant us that his love continually warms our heart with love toward others each day until eternal life with you. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.